Good morning. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The message is entitled, Investment Opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, you've given us instruction You've given us eyes to see the eternal and not be distracted by the temporal. So, Lord, I pray this morning that I might be spirit-filled as a teacher, that each one of us might be spirit-filled listeners, that we might be obedient to your word, trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. The famous film, The Matrix, is the idea that what's real is hidden and it's true it's very hard to see past the matrix because we think the things that we can feel and touch see that's the real thing and it is real but that's just temporary paul said set your affection on things above 
He said, don't focus on the visible, but focus on the invisible. He was talking about having the spiritual eyes to see through the matrix, through the distraction that we might be pleasing to the Lord. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus is ministering and he's teaching the Pharisees. It says in verse 14, now the Pharisees were lovers of money. Verse 9, he said, he's talking about this unjust steward. You remember that story? He was cheating, getting between charging people too much for his master's goods, and the master found out about it. And then the guy said, Well, I'm too old to dig. I better make friends. So he went out to all the people he owed money because the master said, Straighten out your affairs. How much did I say you owed the master? A hundred? Write fifty. Eighty? Write forty. And the master praised him because he was shrewd. And Jesus said, Many times, the children of mammon are wiser when it comes to money than the children of light. So Jesus gave this instruction. Make friends for yourselves by the means of the wealth of unrighteousness so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. Jesus said, use your things so there will be people in heaven. It's not wrong to have things. But are you using them as opportunities to share the gospel, to share with people, to have them into your house? If you have a boat, to take them out fishing. So you have the opportunity to build relationship. They might see the most important thing in your life is not the boat, the fishing, the house, but it's Jesus Christ. Then in verse 10, he said, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. He was unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 last week, Paul said, give what you, out of what you have, not what you don't have. It doesn't really count to say, well, if I had more, I'd give more. Or in this case, well, when I get more, I'll start being faithful. That's not how it works. Faithfulness now. Jesus said, if you have little, be faithful with little now. Why would he entrust you more if you're not faithful in little? You're also going to be unfaithful if he gives you more. Verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? The Bible says in Psalm 24 that everything on the earth belongs to God. Everything. As a believer, we just recognize that. Our spouse our wealth, our house, all our material possessions, what's in the bank belongs to God. We are simply stewards. In this adventure called life for the believer, it's not how much you end up with, but were you faithful on the journey? God gives it into our hands and then he moves it around. And it's not so much about what, you, what happens to the money, but what's going on with your heart. Jesus was the creator. He spoke wealth into existence. The Bible says in Psalms, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He created it. And yet, he did not think those things were something he had to grasp over, grasp after, but humbled himself, took upon him the form of a man. He became man and God for eternity and humbled himself even unto the death of the cross. Because of his humility, 
God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Jesus has called us to follow him. Just being a faithful steward. And it's hard to see through the matrix, isn't it? Because when you have bills or you want to get something done and there's lack of funds, or there has been lack of funds, we tend to do what the world does and get all we can and then can all we get and sit on the lid. And that's, what not, that's not what God wants for our life. He wants us to be a channel of grace, a channel of blessing to others. And then he says, you don't own anything here, just steward, but one day, if you're faithful in heaven, you'll be made perfect. He's going to give you that which is your own. That's an amazing thought. Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupts and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. The Bible says, he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell because he said he knew where your treasure is, there's your heart. Your heart's going to be there too. And now that you know the Lord Jesus and you have spiritual eyes, the question is, are you going to be obedient? No servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll love the other and hate the one. You cannot serve God in wealth. You can't do it. That's why, to me, Dave Ramsey's uh, uh, instruction on money is a little bit jaded. It's not about getting wealth. It's about getting faithful to the believer. Oh, yeah, there's some good principles there. But in the end, it's not how much you end up with. One of the kids that played football for me, he's my son PJ's, Yancey Brown, he's a Christian, and he had a T-shirt he'd wear to school. And it said, he that dies with the most toys still dies. Are going to be rewards for how much you ended up with in the bank. Some of God's greatest men ended up with nothing because they gave it all away. Now the Pharisees were the lovers of money and they were listening to all these things and they were scoffing at him. Why? Because they live for today. Even though the Pharisees believed in the eternal, it was all about how much you had and your righteousness was judged by how much you had in the bank. Wrong values. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. In verse 6, he begins with foundational thinking. He's talking about this special offering. And somebody might be saying, well, how much should we give? The law of sowing and reaping. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Simple. What does God put in your hand? You want to be a part of reaping bountiful blessings? Then give bountifully. Now, you ought to start someplace. Just start someplace. But it just makes sense. If you have a bag of seed and you want to harvest, you plant all of it. You plant all of it. You say, well, so every time I get money, just give it all away? No. It's about your relationship. Verse 7. Each one must do as he's purposed in his heart. 
Now, the Bible says in, the, in Psalm 37, 4, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean put one eye on God and you get a Mercedes. That means that when your delight is the Lord, who's putting the desires in there, right? He's leading us. He puts even the desires in there. And so that's why we say, you pray about these special offerings, now, when it comes to the tithe, tithe doesn't mean whatever you give regularly. Tithe just means tenth. And before the law was established, we have the example of Abraham who gave tithes to Melchizedek, the priest of God. So tithe is just the first tenth that you give to God, demonstrating in your worship that, God, I understand you own everything. You own the 90% that you let me keep to do the rest of my giving and spending and investing with. You want all of it. And the tithe is just recognition. It's worship. That's what I do. You don't have to pray about it. I think you should pray. But God's established that. I think it's a matter of faithfulness. But God wants us to be grace givers like Jesus does to us. So when it comes to special offerings, or maybe you decide, you know, that's not enough for me anymore. I just want to worship God. God in the Old Testament have, had set up Whole burnt offerings. When somebody just wanted to worship God, they brought an ox in or a sheep or something, and they just, the whole thing just went up in smoke. John MacArthur says, God loves the smell of barbecue. And well, that was for nothing. The priest didn't eat it. You didn't get to enjoy it. Just went up in smoke. That was love. It was love. So he said, each one must do as he's purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. And if people shouldn't give grudgingly or under compulsion, then pastors shouldn't teach compulsory giving. Even if it's your tithe, don't be grudging your tithe. God's not going to get poor because you don't give it because he can take it all away from you tomorrow. That's not a big deal for him. He wants you giving out of hearts of worship, out of hearts of love. And the tithe is just the beginning place. But in these special offerings like this, especially it's time to pray. God, do you want us a part of this offering? Should we invest in this opportunity for, for eternity? And it may be as simple as somebody coming through town, you see their sign, please help my family, and the Lord moves you to give what you have in your pocket or give them $100. And you have no idea what's going to happen. That's just a whole bird offering to the Lord, isn't it? The Lord told you to give, so you just give. Not grudgingly, not of necessity. Then it says, for God loves a cheerful giver, and I love this word. The Greek word is hilaros, the word we get hilarious from, hilaros. And I think it's the idea of believers that just love the opportunity to give to the Lord, whether it's helping another brother uh, or sister out that's in need or to a building program that, that, that God is leading a church to build or a missions opportunity. They just love, and God has placed people in the church with that gift of giving. And so supernaturally, at, at salvation, God gave them that desire just to give. Now, Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left is doing. And he was talking in the Sermon on the Mount about the Pharisees, so their only point for giving was so that people would see them. But it's not a sin if somebody knows that you gave, Okay. Is talking about the attitude of why you're giving. Because if nobody ever knew, 
that anybody else gave, how would they be affected? And the point of the different giftednesses in the church, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is so that we all grow up to the measure of the stature of Christ. So somebody has a gift of teaching in the church. And they encourage our hearts. And so we want to grow in that area of teaching and studying the word of God. And so we hang around those believers because that's what the gifts are for, to minister the body. And somebody else has the gift of administration, organization. We see how they order things. And somebody else, the gift of serving. And so we get around them, we become like that. Until we all grow up to the measure of the stature of Christ. So God places people with the gift of giving in the church so that we all desire to begin to look for those opportunities because we just want to see God work. Just looking excited about the opportunity to give. Why? Because that's what Jesus was like. God wants us to be like him. You see, Jesus had all the spiritual gifts, and only together as the body of Christ do we have the spiritual gifts that Jesus Christ could be seen in our community, in our culture. But the gift of giving is this motivation that's just cheerful, looking for the opportunity. But the question is, hold it, if I give it all away, if I do whatever God wants, I mean, sometimes he moves you to really give sacrificially and say, well, what am I going to do next month? There might be another opportunity to give. Maybe, what am I going to pay the bills with? It's about relationship. The one motivating you to give is also the supernatural provider. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. You say, well, if I am too faithful now, I won't have opportunity to be faithful later. I don't think that's true. That's like the people that say they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. That has never happened. Where somebody is so focused on the Lord and what he wants to do that God just can't use them anymore. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Well, Paul's just pointing it out. You cannot give the Lord, but what God delights in doing is moving us to give, moving us to trust him. Maybe it's in business. There's not like, I love Henry Blackaby's book on spiritual leadership because there's not spiritual leadership for church, and then there's secular leadership for your business. God owns it all. And the the wonderful thing is we can go to him and ask, Lord, about this decision. What do we do? I know Matt Lenning owns Brown and Gold. He's got to make these big, huge investments in shirts and all that stuff they sell down there before he even knows what the Cowboys are going to do because if they have a bad year, he's going to be sitting on it. Barry too, right? You have a good year, people tend to buy more stuff like that. But how do you make those decisions? Walking with the Lord. See, the Lord knows what's going to happen. He can actually tell you. I was talking to Courtney one day. Sells cars at GM. And he's talking about how sometimes in those environments, things can get cutthroat. I said, well, you know, Courtney, the thing is, it's not even fair for you. It's not even fair. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, first of all, you belong to the Lord and your pastor prays for you. So it's not even an even playing field. So I never thought of that before. You see, whatever God has put in your hand, whether you're a business owner or you're a pastor or you're a dentist or doctor, a teacher or a mechanic, if God has put that in your hand, that is your worship. You're not less spiritual because you own a business. That's your holy service to the Lord. So God is going to be in what you're doing. 
God's put it in your hands. Sometimes you get those challenges coming, don't you? You say, I don't know if we're going to make it. Well, don't worry about the money. Is it important? Well, yeah, because you can't pay the rent on your building. I guess you're going to be out of business. But keep your eyes on the Lord because he might have a better adventure for you. We're just following Jesus. He's called us to be faithful. And what we do in our lives, that's worship all week long. That's why in Romans 12, after 11 chapters of doctrine on salvation, Paul says, now I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual service of worship. Not on Sunday, every day. And so if things are going bad, God knows about that. And he is able to provide seed for the sower. He is always able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything. That's a lot, isn't it? As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. You've heard the old adage, it takes money to make money. And uh, you see people that have money and sometimes the richest get richer because they have the availability. Because you and I, most of us, we see of an opportunity for investment. And we go, oh man, this is going to be a good one. Man, if only I had money. But we don't, so you can't invest. But the rich guy, he's got some money. And so he can say, yes, I can see that too. And so he invests and he, he gets more. Now they can't see the future. But having the ability to invest when they want to, we say, well, the rich just get richer. You know, if you had an Uncle Louie and he knew about investing and he came to your, your business or your house, he said, listen, hey, come over here, man. I want to tell you about this opportunity over here. It's going to go gangbusters and nobody else knows about it. This is secret information. The world knows nothing about this, that you get rich by giving. Now, we know that President Obama said you get out of debt by going into debt. 